This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Sons of the Shoe is back with just Spencer German. Unfortunately, Nick Wilson on the mend to, uh, attending to his voice. If you if you caught it during our uh, Roman Harper interview, you could tell his voice was a little bit crackly, not his best effort. So we've given him the rest of the show to sort of take care of that, rest up a little bit, and we're hopeful he'll be back with us later in the week for, for our second episode this week. But in the meantime, I want to react to the conversation we had with Roman Harper. It was great. I, I thought he had a lot of insightful things to say just about what Ohio State's doing, the players that they're getting, particularly in, in, in Caleb Downs, and sort of what lies ahead for this team. But also, guys, I, I asked Roman the question about Nick Saban's retirement and just what it means for college football and how it really does feel like Ohio State is kind of seizing seizing a moment here, if you will. And I, I think that's important to understand because, yeah, like gone are the days where I, I think a recruit can just walk into – or not a recruit, but a coach can walk into a recruit's living room, give the pleasantries to the mom and dad – and just be able to uh, to to recruit a player or, or lure a player in. That sounds bad, but convince a player to come play for you just because of who you are and what your reputation is. Like Nick Saban, I think was kind of the the end of that era. Uh, there were so many coaches over the years that were able to just because of their their mere presence and because of who they were and because of their resume as a coach and on the field they were able to convince players to come play for them in that way. And I think as we see, I don't, it's maybe not a mass exodus, but there's been a handful of players who have all entered the portal in, in the new, since the news broke that Nick Saban was retiring because he was the reason that many of these players came to play for, or came to play at Alabama. And so I, I like, he had an aura to him. Players who have have are veterans in the NFL who 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 went to Alabama and played for Nick Saban, they say the same things about him. 
just how much of an influence he was in their decision. Guys who maybe didn't even really know a lot about Alabama, but they knew that Nick Saban was there, and they knew that if they went and played for Nick Saban, he was going to turn them into NFL prospects. He was going to turn them into players who are ready for that level, and he was going to win championships. I don't know that there's a lot of coaches, if any, left that can just walk into a kid's room and preach to them development and NFL-ready the way that Nick Saban could. I mean, obviously his resume speaks for itself. Nobody touches that. But I just think in general, like that mentality to to, to the recruiting game, I think is long gone. Now, I, I on, on some level, I think Ohio State has some of that. You know, Brian Hartline is pumping out some of the best receivers in football continually year in and year out. So I, I think there's something to the fact that he can go in and he can sort of speak to players and say, hey, here's what, Here's what I can do for you. Here's the the proof is in the pudding, if you will. And I'm going to do the same. T- I'm going to turn you into a, a similarly into one of these guys that goes to the NFL and becomes a top player in, in, in this sport. Like, I think there's probably some something to that. And I do think you've heard some players talk about this idea that Ohio State going to Ohio State or deciding to choose Ohio State as a recruit was about more than just the money there, there was a developmental part to that. And Ohio state still has that reputation. So that's good that they have that reputation, but it's not like all these guys that were at Bama just up and were like, ah, well, Nick Saban's gone. I'm just going to go to Ohio state because they develop people too. We have heard a lot of the stuff. I know Lane Kiffin came out over the weekend and he dropped the, the nugget about how Ohio state spent upwards of $13 million on bringing in players, whether it's through the portal or whether it's recruits that they they added in this in this this most recent class, so th- there's something to the idea that yeah, the development part of it, but we all know what's driving this change in college football and the NIL era. It is financially driven and it is money first for a lot of these guys. I'm not saying that's that's the way we want it to be. I'm not saying that it should always just be about the money. I think there needs to be you also need to go somewhere where you feel like the team has your best interests in mind. And I think largely Ohio State has proven that they're going to get you ready for the NFL if that's what you want to do. So uh, it, it's part of the equation, but the money is driving all of this. And that's why you hear things like Ohio State spending upwards of $13 million to bring people in and, um, you know, really actually stepping up their game with the, with the NIL stuff. I also think, as Nick and I have talked about, it's a big reason why Ross Bjork is is being added to the to the athletic department as the new AD because you need a guy who's forward thinking, who can be a good fundraiser for you, who can embrace this new era, this NIL era of college football and really be able to take it up a notch and help this program continue to navigate what is a a sort of new time but also do it in a way where you're staying at the top of the game. And that's why I think the Nick Saban departure is so important because I think – and other teams will, will take advantage too. I mean, Georgia now is being looked at as top dog in the SEC, no no challenger. Roman talked about that, right? Roman flat out said that there's there's guys at Georgia or, or everyone's looking at Georgia like – or the, the players at Georgia, the, the, Georgia org, the Georgia program is able to kind of sit there and say, well, shoot, the only team that really stood in our way every single year – and the only coach that really stood in our way every single year was Alabama. Now they're out of the picture, and we have a chance to really dominate this conference for years to come. 
So I, I like George is going to try to seize the moment. I'm sure there'll be others. Oregon keeping Dan Lanning, I think, was huge for them. They're trying to sort of seize on that opportunity in that moment that's now sort of presented itself. But Ohio State clearly has stepped up their game and tried to be at the forefront of this new era and tried to really take the reins here of, okay, Nick Saban's gone. We want to continue to be relevant. We want to continue to be that. They almost want – it feels to me like they are trying to – what Nick Saban was to this now gone um, has been era of college football and recruiting that he now leaves and departs from and, and opens up, I think the floodgates on all this NIL stuff, it was already opened, but now with Nick Saban out of the way, like there's nothing standing in the way from all these teams embracing this fully. And I think what Nick Saban was to this previous era I think Ohio State is trying to set the bar that they're going to be at the forefront of this next era with the NIL, with the you know bags of cash to kids. I, and I know that sounds bad. People don't want to hear that. People don't want to hear about high school kids being told out all this money. But it's the it's the direction that college football has gone. It is kind of the nature of the beast here. And unfortunately, I think it's just going to have to be the way we live with it. Now, can they find ways to fix it, regulate it, all that? That remains to be seen. Maybe down the line we get to that point. But for now, Ohio State saw an opportunity with Nick Saban retiring to get out in front of the changing tides in college football, step their game up from a financial standpoint, and start really being the almost the, the trailblazers, if you will, in NIL to – continue the the living up to the reputation that they have and continue to be that team like they want to almost it feels like they're trying to almost be the Alabama of this new era and I I'm all for it I I think what's also interesting about it is just um like we'll see if that continues and obviously this is all driven largely by Michigan winning the national championship and you've lost them threes in a row and Ryan Day on some levels kind of desperate which by the way I want to get to that coming up here in the, the final segment. Some are calling it desperation. So what? We'll, we'll talk about that here in a little bit. Um, but that, that's part of the equation for sure. But I, I And we'll see if this continues beyond this year where you're getting you know donors giving money and, and really trying to fund the NIL stuff and bring in the kids that, that Ohio State wants to bring in. And if it's now this collective and if, if it's now got enough momentum to continue for years to come, we'll see. But at least for now, Ohio State is trying to sort of put their foot down and say, we are here to stay and we're embracing this new time and we're going to run with it and, 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 and be this program that dominates uh, this, this sort of changing of the guard, if you will. So I, I, I don't know how Ohio, State, how, how Ohio State fans can't be excited about that, even if it means there's some decisions along the way that you don't love. Speaking of which, uh, Roman Harper talked about the Bill O'Brien hire a little bit there. And I think I understood. I think people who were throwing out like the he never won a Super Bowl, he never won a national championship in all his years in college and all his years in the NFL. And I get it; it's it's the low hanging fruit argument argument against Bill O'Brien. But if at face value, guys, I'm having a hard time finding a lot of reasons to hate this. Like, is he personality wise maybe a little hot? Does, does he run a little hot? I mentioned with Nick last episode. His nickname is that was the teapot with the Patriots because he always kind of 
the smoke would be coming out of his ears. He'd like really lean it, like lay into guys at times. So I get it. Like you got to have a different temperament with, with, with high school to college recruits and kids. But I also think he did have a successful time at Penn state and he clearly was good enough for Nick Saban's staff. So he must be able to sort of navigate, manage those things just fine. I'm having a hard time finding the, the negatives in this. Like I, I think if you wanted a guy to come in, if, if the, if the, if the problem was that you didn't want Ryan Day to be a play caller anymore and you were over his offensive mindset fully and, and all this different stuff, and as Roman mentioned, a lot of that was he was coming in and running what Nick Saban wanted to run. So there's probably going to be some of that where he's going to run stuff within what Ryan Day wants to do, but he's at least passing off some of that responsibility here and trusting in somebody who's seen it all. So I, I, I'm willing to give it a chance like most of the things that we've seen kind of play out this this offseason, including Will Howard at quarterback, which is still a question. But I do think um, anybody who's upset about that, I, I I'm I'm not I'm not on the same page as you with that because I I think that Bill O'Brien has proven he can be a good offensive mind wherever he is, and I think this is just another sign that Ryan Day is fully embracing. Like I got to get this thing right. I got to trust in some other people. It can't all be on me, and I think that's better for the program long term. So. We'll see how long Bill O'Brien's in Columbus, but at least for this year, I, I think it's a good sign for what, what they're trying to do and what Ryan Day's trying to sort of do in terms of the responsibilities he has and this, the responsibilities that he's delegating off. And as we talked about last episode too, I don't think this has anything to do with uh, the future of Brian Hartline. I, I don't think that's impacted whatsoever by this. I'm imagining he was in the loop on it. Another thing I wanted to get to, because Roman Harper raved about Caleb Downs, and I, I think – the fact that you are getting a ready to a, a plug and play player at safety, he basically made it sound like he's going to be like the best player on the field for Ohio State next year. Even with think about all the guys that are coming back, right, and especially all the guys coming back on defense. I am so excited to see him out there on the field and play for this team. It's a it's a it's a it's an opportunity for Ohio State to add to an already really good defense, and um, it sounds like based on what we've seen on the tape and all that, and you can go back and watch some of those games that, that Roman mentioned, you got a guy who can do it all in special teams, do it all on defense. Like this, this guy is going to be an absolute star. And for him to be playing for Ohio state is, is going to be a lot of fun. And it's just the latest in a long line of additions that I, I think are going to pay massive, massive dividends for this, for this Buckeyes team next year. It it, it it ups the ante. It, we already asked the question, you know, is it championship or bust next year? I, my stance on it is you got to at least get there. With this roster they've compiled, with the talent that they have coming back, with the guys they brought in now through the transfer portal, you have to, um, you absolutely have to get to that level. Like anything other than that, I think is going to be a, a disappointment. We know beating Michigan, I didn't even mention it because – that's already a given. If he doesn't beat Michigan, his seat is as hot as it's ever been, light, lit, lit on fire, and he's sitting in the flames. Like He knows that. That's why he's doing what he's doing, Ryan Day I'm alluding to. And I do think beyond that, because this, this team coming back, and I think it's actually an interesting question I'd like to discuss with Nick, whether or not we think that this team is better talent-wise than the 2015 team, not – that came back and and was supposed to sort of repeat and all this after they won in 2014. I think it's a fascinating question. Those two rosters absolutely stacked with, with returners and guys that were coming back. 
I think the one question will sort of, and, and it's the one question I think we all have is what's the quarterback position going to look like? Is, is Will Howard going to be close to what JT Barrett was giving you? And I know that 2015 season, it was kind of a combo of him and Cardell Jones and that kind of blew up in their faces. But, you know, you got you got the running back that I think you could stack up against Zeke and his heyday. You got a defense that can stack up with the guys who returned on defense that year um, after they won a national championship. I, I think it's a fascinating question that I, I'd, I'd like to explore more for sure with Nick when he's when he's back with me this week. I also want to explore uh, what we think about the quarterback room because, guys, Julian Sayin is a legit quarterback prospect not that Ohio State's ever not getting legit quarterback prospects but you put him in this room now and I know there was instant worry about what this means for Aaron Noland and whether or not he's gonna leave and and it sounds like he's sticking around he's willing to sort of duke this out but is there a scenario where one of these freshmen really takes the reins here and, and maybe surprises some people in spring ball and throughout I know the in the, the immediate reports were that Will Howard is is coming to Ohio State to be the starter, but now that you got so much competition, sort of feeling them feeling the entire group sort of feeling each other in this room, I'd be interested to see that. I mean, that spring game is going to be must watch TV for Buckeyes fans because you're going to see a lot of different quarterbacks. You're going to see a lot of a lot of these guys getting work, and we're going to get our first look at what Will Howard would look like or any of these guys would look like potentially running this offense, and we'll see if that trickles then into the summer and into the preseason. Let's hope we don't have another quarterback competition that runs into the season let's hope it's settled by then because i always think that's a dicey idea when you start the season like that sort of rotating guys a la the 2015 team that that brought back cardale and jt barrett and sort of rotated them at the beginning of the season i think you got to end up picking just one but i am fascinated by this group and what it's going to look like and who really seizes some opportunities that could be ahead of them let's take a break and hear a word from our sponsors when we get back though guys I understand there's some people that are upset that it took absolute desperation for the Buckeyes to get here. But frankly, I don't really care. Plus, the Michigan Panic Meter, the latest on John Harbaugh's pursuits in the NFL. All that and more coming your way on Sons of the Shoes. We wrap things up for this latest episode. 